Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we covered the topic of hydatid disease found under the gastrointestinal section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 55-year-old woman comes to the emergency department complaining of abdominal pain. She states that she has suffered intermittent nausea for two years. Then, three months ago, she began to notice right-sided abdominal pain. She denies vomiting, diarrhea, or constipation. She has not been to a doctor in three years since she moved from Peru. She has had no surgeries. She takes no medications. On physical exam, there is moderate right upper quadrant tenderness. An ultrasound demonstrates a 5-centimeter cyst in the right upper lobe of the liver with an irregular calcified wall. Let's continue with an introduction to hydatid disease. Clinically, it is defined as a liver cyst caused by the echinococcus tapeworm. The most common form is from echinococcus granulosus and echinococcus multilocularis. Demographically, it is usually acquired during childhood, but it does not manifest symptoms until adulthood. Risk factors include geographic risk factors, such as being from South America, the Middle East, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Western China. Other risk factors include close contacts with dogs and sheep. In terms of the pathogenesis, remember that the definitive host is usually dogs. Intermediate hosts may include sheep, goats, camels, horses, cattle, and swine. In terms of the transmission, the adult tapeworm inhabits the small intestine. It produces eggs that are expelled in the stool. The eggs are ingested by the incidental host through a fecal-oral transmission. Parasites then hatch from the eggs and penetrate the intestinal mucosa to enter the blood and lymphatic system. It then migrates to the liver or other organs to form hydatid cysts, and humans are incidental hosts. Moving on to the presentation, most patients will be asymptomatic. If the liver is involved, which occurs in two-thirds of cases, there may be nausea, vomiting, and right upper quadrant pain. If the lung is involved, which occurs in 25% of cases, patients may present with the cough, chest pain, dyspnea, and hemoptysis. On exam, one may note hepatosplenomegaly. In terms of further imaging, ultrasound is the best initial test. It is inexpensive and it has a sensitivity of 90 to 95%. It may demonstrate a single anechoic, smooth, and round cyst. The cyst may have septations. It may have a thick or irregular wall. There may be an eggshell appearance if it is calcified. And there may be daughter cysts, which are peripherally based cysts within a cyst. Computed tomography or magnetic resonance imaging has a sensitivity of 95 to 100%. It is indicated for greater anatomic detail to establish the location and number of cysts, the presence of ruptured or calcified cysts, and to guide management and it is better for the evaluation of extrahepatic cysts. In terms of diagnostic testing, studies may include complete blood count, which may demonstrate a mild eosinophilia and mild elevation in liver function labs. Serologic and antigen assays, such as an enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay, or ELISA, can be used for primary diagnosis and for follow-up after treatment. But remember that a negative serologic test does not rule out echinococcus. 
a cyst aspiration or biopsy may be indicated if serologic testing is indeterminate or negative, but the risk of anaphylaxis and secondary spread of infection does exist. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about a simple cyst, with distinguishing factors being that this will have a thinner wall, no calcifications, no septations, and no daughter cysts. There will be sterile fluid if it is aspirated, and patients will have negative serology, and no additional testing is necessary if imaging findings are consistent with a simple cyst. Also think about a cyst adenoma or cyst adenocarcinoma. Distinguishing factors include rapid growth, tumor cells on histopathology, there may be biliary-type mucus-secreting cuboidal or columnar epithelium for cyst adenoma, and malignancy changes of inner epithelial lining for cyst adenocarcinoma. Patients may have elevated levels of carcinoembryogenic antigen, or CEA, and serology will be negative. In terms of treatment, first-line options include albendazole. This is indicated for a single cyst that is less than 5 centimeters. Its mechanism of action is that it inhibits microtubule assembly. Adverse effects may include hepatotoxicity, cytopenia, alopecia, and rash. Second-line options include image-guided percutaneous drainage. This is indicated for cysts that are between 5 and 10 centimeters, and it must be done in combination with medical therapy. Adverse effects include the risk of seeding and the risk of anaphylaxis. Third-line options include resection. This is indicated for a cyst that is greater than 10 centimeters and for complicated cysts, which are associated with rupture, infection, compression or mass effect, biliary fistula, hemorrhage, multiple daughter cysts, or extrahepatic cysts. Adverse effects include the risk of seeding and anaphylaxis, but this is less than percutaneous drainage as it attempts to resect the whole cyst. Other treatments may include mebendazole and praziquantel, but these are less effective. Complications related to hydatidid disease include mass effect. This may present with Bud-Chiari syndrome, portal hypertension, cholestasis, and cirrhosis. Other complications include secondary bacterial infection and cyst rupture. A cyst rupture may present with fever, acute hypersensitivity reaction such as anaphylaxis, obstructive jaundice, and death. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to hydatid disease, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 45-year-old man presents to the emergency department with abdominal distension. The patient states that he has had gradually worsening abdominal distension with undulating pain, nausea, and vomiting for the past several months. The patient does not see a physician typically and has no known past medical history. He works as a farmer and interacts with livestock and also breeds dogs. His temperature is 98.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.1 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 159 over 90. Pulse is 88 beats per minute. Respirations are 15 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. Physical exam is notable for mild abdominal distension and discomfort to palpation of the upper abdominal quadrants. Laboratory values are ordered and are notable for a mild eosinophilia. A CT scan of the abdomen demonstrates multiple small eggshell calcifications within the right lobe of the liver, 
which of the following is the most likely etiology of this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are, choice 1, echinococcus granulosis, choice 2, enterobius vermicularis, choice 3, nicator americanus, choice 4, tenye saginata, or choice 5, tenye solium. The best answer to this question is, choice 1, echinococcus granulosis. This patient is presenting with dog exposure, as well as gradually worsening GI symptoms with eosinophilia that is mild, and a CT scan demonstrating small eggshell calcifications within the liver, which is most concerning for a diagnosis of echinococcus granulosis. Echinococcus granulosis infection occurs when parasitic eggs are ingested. The typical hosts include dogs, cats, foxes, and wolves. Once ingested, the eggs hatch and penetrate the intestinal mucosa and spread hematogenously. Patients may be asymptomatic or may demonstrate vague symptoms, including abdominal pain, distension, nausea, and vomiting. Cysts that affect the lungs can cause chest pain, shortness of breath, and a cough. If the cysts are located in the central nervous system or muscles, patients may experience pain, blindness, headache, and stroke-like symptoms. Laboratory values may be normal or demonstrate a mild eosinophilia if there is some antigen spillage. A CT scan can demonstrate eggshell calcifications and cysts. The treatment is albendazole and surgical removal if indicated. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Enterobius vermicularis, or pinworm, typically presents in pediatric patients with perianal itch. It can be diagnosed with a scotch tape test and treated with albendazole. Choice 3. Nicator americanus, or hookworm, can present with abdominal pain, diarrhea, blood in stool, weakness, and iron deficiency anemia. It is diagnosed with a stool, ova, and parasite examination and treated with albendazole. Choice 4. Tenye saginata, or beef tapeworm, is often asymptomatic, or it can present with constipation, diarrhea, weight loss, and anal discomfort. It is diagnosed with a stool, ova, and parasite exam and is treated with albendazole. Choice 5. Tenye solium can cause neurocysticercosis and is associated with consumption of contaminated pork. If affecting the central nervous system, it can cause nausea, vomiting, confusion, papilledema, diplopia, stroke, and seizures. A CT of the head will demonstrate calcified cysts, and treatment involves anticonvulsants, antihelminthics, and steroids. Finally, a bullet summary. Echinococcus granulosis is associated with dog exposure and can present with vague symptoms and eggshell calcification on abdominal imaging. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 27-year-old woman is brought by ambulance to the emergency department after being hit by a car while walking on the sidewalk. She is conscious and denies any pain, bleeding, or memory loss. The patient states that she is a veterinarian for farm animals, primarily horses. Her temperature is 98.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 120 over 70 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 90 beats per minute. 
and respirations are 15 breaths per minute. Physical exam reveals a small bruise over her right elbow and right upper quadrant tenderness as well as some scrapes on her right lateral thigh. Radiography of her right arm, hip, and knee are unremarkable. Abdominal ultrasound reveals no free fluid, but demonstrates a 6 by 4 centimeter cystic mass in the right hepatic lobe. There are multiple loculations and hyperechoic zones within the cystic mass. Computed tomography confirmed the cystic mass size and location. Laboratory workup is performed, which demonstrates a leukocyte count of 13,000 per millimeter cubed. Segmented neutrophils are 60%. Bands are 0%. Eosinophils are 10%. Basophils are 6%. Lymphocytes are 18%. Monocytes are 6%. Hemoglobin is 14 grams per deciliter. Platelet count is 160,000 per millimeter cubed. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1, Klebsiella abscess. Choice 2, Echinococcus. Choice 3, Cystic teratoma. Choice 4, Cystocercosis. Or Choice 5, Hepatic hemangioma. The best answer to this question is choice 2, echinococcosis. This patient is presenting with exposure to horses and has incidental liver cysts discovered following a motor vehicle trauma. Given the occupational history, this patient likely has echinococcosis. Echinococcosis is a parasitic disease of tapeworms in the genus Echinococcus, affecting both humans and other mammals such as sheep, dogs, rodents, and horses. It localizes in the liver in 75% of cases, the lungs in 5 to 15% of cases, and other organs in the body such as the spleen, brain, heart, and kidneys. Clinical features are highly variable, but most cases are discovered incidentally in asymptomatic hosts. Symptoms can vary from cough, dyspnea, and chest pain if the lungs contain cysts, or abdominal pain if any abdominal organs are involved. Eosinophilia may be detected as an immune response. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Klebsiella abscesses or any bacterial abscesses will elicit a strong inflammatory response including fever, chills, and abdominal pain. Choice 3. Cystic teratomas can appear similar on ultrasound, but it generally is more heterogeneous with solid, hypoechoic masses intermixed in the mass. Choice 4. Cystocercosis can also manifest with hepatic cysts, but is associated with exposure to pigs, not horses. Choice 5. Hepatic hemangiomas generally appear more heterogeneous and hypoechoic, not hyperechoic. Furthermore, they are usually one circumscribed mass as opposed to multiple cysts. Finally, a bullet summary. Echinococcosis can present asymptomatically due to sheep, horse, or dog exposure in patients with hydatidid cysts, with the liver followed by the lung as the most commonly involved organs. That's all for this review about hydatid disease. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes 
by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.